friends, you've now entered the Man Cave Podcast, unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items, like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave, and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-V and Toys and Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. This episode of the Man Cave Podcast is a Dan Casper Show instant replay. Segments from my radio show, the Dan Casper Show, replayed right here on the Man Cave Podcast. Enjoy. Uh, all right, uh, opening drive here. So we're going to help. Uh, we had a listener kind of reach out uh here intern okay and threw a question out there he's just curious like why is it that wisconsinites as he referred them to or referred us to the don't maybe appreciate cherish the bucks as much as they do packers and brewers he was curious if we can get some responses from uh, our listeners out there uh, I mean, you look at it, Bucks with Giannis, uh, they're off to another fantastic start this year. Obviously, Packers and not doing so hot, and that's putting it lightly. Brewers missing the postseason. So we're coming up with a list. I have five, but I'll kind of, I've got five reasons potentially out there. But Well, geography yeah. is one, and you're going to say, well, we're Packer fans over in Green Bay. But I think another one is the, uh, you know, the Brewers it's so much easier to go to the games. You know, you can find Packer tickets if you want to hunt, but, you know, you're on you're on the list to get season tickets, and Hudson mm-hmm. will be uh, retired probably, probably. Before, <laughs> before you ever get them. Yep. And you can go to American Family Field and go to the games anytime. It's, you know, a, and I know you can probably go online and get buck tickets if you want. I can't imagine how much the tickets were going for the other night when the Warriors were in town. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that's part of it, the, the venue. And then going into Milwaukee, a lot of people aren't comfortable in Milwaukee. And we talked about this with the Wisconsin-Marquette rivalry, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee is a different different part of Wisconsin than the rest of the state. I mean, there's no getting around it. You go to Green Bay, you feel like you're there. Milwaukee is just a, a little different animal when you go downtown to Pfizer form you go to American Family Field you go in on 94 you get off and you go home on 94 you don't go mm-hmm. down in Milwaukee yep. you go to the Pfizer Forum you got to go downtown Milwaukee and I don't think a, a lot of people I mean I don't know what he's referring to as far as why we don't support them I mean I support the Bucks as much as I support the Brewers and the Packers as far as my rooting interests are concerned so I'm not sure what he's referring to there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, one texter in this morning. Basketball appears easy. 50-plus baskets per team. It's not exciting to me. Uh, I guess there are some athletic moves and last-minute drama. I'll just watch the highlights instead. And I think a lot of people feel that way about the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. And but is it I'll mostly just... NBA or is it the game of basketball? You know, well, college, you know, uh, college yeah. is a lot more fun to watch because it's, it's just a different game than the pros. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you watch the Bucks. And you want, I mean, you got to watch more than that because of Giannis, mm-hmm. because of what he can do and what he does on the floor. He does things that other people can't do. 
The other night I saw him dribble four times the length of the court and got yeah. a basket. Oh, got yeah. the rebound, and it was four triples, yeah. and he yeah. was already there. Yeah, I mean, he, you got to appreciate that, but I understand people's thoughts about about pro basketball. What's traveling, what's not traveling, what's a foul, what's not a foul. Mm-hmm. It, it's How are they going to call a game? It's unbelievable. They'll call... You know, a little a guy go to the basket. They call a little tic tac foul about maybe somebody touched him. That's about it. But then under the basket, they just about kill each other under there, and there's mm-hmm. no fouls called. So the officiating, I think, is a concern for pro basketball more than more than I think a lot of people really appreciate it. If you mm-hmm. watch the game, you know, you know hockey. I don't know the penalties. I mean, I think all of a sudden I don't know the game that well, but I think. They just ran a guy into the boards, nothing happened. The next time they run the guy into the boards and it's charging or whatever, it's interference or something. So I don't understand the rules of hockey that well, obviously. But I still enjoy watching the game live. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think pro basketball's some of those things as far as Milwaukee is. Milwaukee is, like I said, a, a different part of Wisconsin. Uh, I've got, you know, you mentioned one of them. So my five, one of them was the rules. And I think that kind of goes the you know with the traveling sort of stuff, and I mean every time it it it, I, it it just seems like every play somebody's complaining about a lack of a call or a lack of a whistle or or why did you whistle that one and that sort of it looks like it seems like every time a player's turning around you know so and you know I think people get annoyed with that you know it kind of loses a little bit there um, accessibility kind of referring maybe to you know. You know, Brewers, you know, you're, you're talking about Milwaukee. Well, the Brewers are Milwaukee, but I also think accessibility, you know, they're on the radio, they're on TV a little bit easier. You know, they're on a whole lot more, you know, 162 games. Very good point. You're right. Sort of thing. And and I think another, it just depends on your favorite sports, too. You know, maybe somebody just isn't a basketball fan and they're not into the Bucks or the NBA. Yeah, yeah. that's why, you know, it's like the World Cup. Some mm-hmm. people are just absolutely over the moon for the World Cup. Well, no thanks. It's not for me. I'm yeah. not a soccer fan. Didn't grow up with soccer, and I I appreciate their skills, but I don't appreciate that game. Uh, another one I, I kind of thought of was: Is it star factor? You know, obviously we have Giannis now, but the Bucks. You know, for a while there was there was nobody there. Whereas you know Brewers, you know, for a while they they didn't have anybody there, but you know at least they had Yount and Molitor in the early parts, and then you know you have Brawny and Fielder, Yelich here for a little bit, so. You know, maybe Star Power lost it for some fans who maybe initially were Bucks fans. And when they didn't, you know, when they lost Ray Allen and Glenn Robinson or maybe even Kareem and not Big O back in the day, does that lose it? I think it, you know, maybe for the younger fans, you know, because you look at some of these kids before Giannis, they were wearing what? Steph Curry jerseys? Yeah, right. LeBron jerseys? Good point. You know, that sort of thing. And then I remember this when they drafted Jabari, there was talk leading before this. And I kind of put these two hand in hand, but is it marketing and history kind of going? Because when you talk about the Packers, you talk—I mean, you, it's their history, right? It's it's the '60s, it's Donuts, and they do a fantastic job of marketing that history. Even for the Brewers, you know, they, they'll bring in, you know, Yount and Molitor and, and all Gordon those guys, and Gordon, and Cecil Raleigh Cooper, yeah, and, all these guys. and you got Bob Euchre who's still yeah, over there. Yeah. Whereas the Bucks, he's—I think he. You know, we can't just gloss over Bob Euchre. Oh, right. Because when he's gone, the world will change as far as listening to Brewers games. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I totally agree. And then you think of the Bucks. Well, that history, yeah, they had Kareem and, and, and the Big O, 
But I almost feel like sometimes you don't hear a whole lot about that history, you know, from the Buck side of things. You don't hear a whole lot about Sidney Moncrief and, you know, Marcus Johnson a little bit there. Like, they almost don't exploit it as much. You know, they don't pump it out there as much as, like, the Packers do and and, and the Brewers do at, at, at certain points. And maybe that's a part of it, too, or the marketing slash history part of it. Yeah, you know, because I, I was around when the Bucks were, were first starting. And they used to, you know, they worked hard to sell that team to the state. They used to come to Madison and mm-hmm. play and always went. And they had some fun guys to watch. Um, trying to think of this little left-handed guy. Greg was his first name, but he could jump over the moon. And then they had uh, Dick uh, at the center from Murray State. And he had a chin, a big old chin that stuck out. He was a center. I mean, and, and Wayne Embry played for him. And in the early days and they worked hard to market this team and then all of a sudden they got Kareem and then you know then they stayed in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the like the Packers you know when Holmgren came he got rid of the Milwaukee games at County Stadium everything's going to be at Lambeau Field now which I think is a good decision mm-hmm. but uh, you know you can almost point to where you know some of these St. Packers have a rich history obviously but for the for the Bucks, you can almost point to when things were fun watching the Bucks early on. They weren't all that good, but every once in a while they'd come up with a game. I mean, I think Bobby Dandridge was just coming in at that time, and some of these other earlier Bucks, and they were fun to watch. Yep. And uh, you know they weren't all that good, but by golly, they gave an effort. They played hard, and you got your money's worth. Yeah. And you know, watching these teams now, you wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Because I look at, you know, I was a huge NBA fan as a kid. You know, how I am with, like, football now, that's what I was with the NBA in the 90s. But my favorite team as a kid was the Orlando Magic because of Shaq and Penny. Yep. You know, the star power yep. right there. And that's what drew me to it, and I think that's what what's a lot of, like, well, look at Hudson. You know, he likes LeBron because LeBron's all over the place, and it was because of Space Jam. And he likes Giannis, too, because Giannis is all over the place. And when my boys, especially my youngest one who played a lot of ball, was that age, yeah, the Bucks had a team, but he wore number 23. Mm-hmm. He wore the Michael Jordan Bulls. Everybody was a Bulls fan, yep. especially around here, yep. because, you know, the Bucks weren't weren't much at that time. Mm-hmm. And so it goes in cycles, but right now, the Bucks, I think, uh, I'd... I don't necessarily agree with the the guy that texted that in. I think uh, we're strong Buck fans in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a quick phone call here this morning. Good morning. Who are we chatting with? Morning, fellas. It's the Big Worm. Big Worm. How you doing, man? I I figured uh, you'd give the intern a snow day today. Well, he he the was the intern never quits. <laughs> He's always here, just like a mailman. Neither rain nor sleet nor snow or dark of night. Unless you're Newman from Seinfeld, then you <laughs> yeah, don't go out when it's raining. There you go. So. Well, gosh darn it, Bob! I wish you would uh, push that work ethic onto the new uh, the kids these days. Well, I'll tell you, if parents would take away their devices today and hand them a snow shovel, I think that would go a long way to make them appreciate uh, appreciate the work ethic. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. Great topic today. Thank you for uh, stealing it there, Dan. I love it. it. <laughs> um, I got to. I got to be honest. If, if any parents out there want to take their kid to something that is, is super spectacular, go down to Pfizer Forum. If I'm not sure if you've been down there, Bob. It Haven't is, yet. Haven't yet. It is absolutely spectacular. 
with like the Mecca bar around there and there's just a lot more things for kids to do down instead of like the old Bradley days. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, Dan, have you been down there? I have, yeah, Deer District and everything, yep. Yeah, it is, it is unbelievable, but I called in, uh, my brother works for Milwaukee Tool and he went to the Warriors game and um, Milwaukee Tool has a suite, so he took a bunch of clients and my brother's not a big NBA guy, but sitting next to him um, in the booth uh, over was Grant Hill the whole the whole game. Mm. Who was in there? Grant Hill. Grant oh, Hill. Grant. Yeah. So he had to fly to Detroit, and on his flight, he sat next to Grant Hill and Jeff Van Gundy the whole way, and he talked their ears off. And Grant Hill believes the Celtics will win it, but. Um, Van Gundy picked the Bucks to win it all, but I, I got to tell you, if that somehow becomes an Eastern Conference final game, ooh, that's going to be a bloodbath. I, I and I'm all for it. I want a little bit of a rivalry there too. That would be awesome. I do, I do too. And having Middleton back, if he can stay healthy, would be huge. But the only way the Bucks are going to win that game, um, you know, if anybody watched that series last year, is if they could defend the three. Yep, totally agree with you, man. Totally agree with you. So, uh, hey, Big Worm, uh, tell your brother Milwaukee tools are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> we we have a running joke at Christmas time that you know my brother he swears by Milwaukee tools, um, but me and my brother like he chained from Dewalt every year just to mess with them. <laughs> How are you ever going to get? You'll never get in that suite. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to get in that suite. <laughs> Uh, dude, hey. have, a, have a great day, guys. You too, buddy. Drive Merry safe Christmas. out there. Merry Christmas, Big Worm. Yep. There you go. So, all right. Um, got My another- son went down there. You know, he went down there not to to the Bucks. He went down to the Marquette game. We talked about that. And, uh, you know, he sat there and got tickets for the Badgers and, and Marquette. And we were talking about this rivalry. But he made the comment to me. He said, you know, Marquette fans hate Wisconsin. That Milwaukee, mm-hmm. like I said, it's like it's not part of the state. They they and I said hate Wisconsin. He said, yeah, they oh they were were booing and and you know they didn't, you know you'd listen to them talk in the stands. He said for whatever reason they hate Wisconsin. I don't know if they're jealous of. He said I don't know if they're jealous of Wisconsin basketball or what it is. But he was shocked, hmm. you know, and so. That's, yeah, I think that, we kind of mentioned, is it more of a rivalry for Marquette fans than maybe oh, yeah, Wisconsin yeah, yeah, you know, fans yeah. at that point? He said, I went down there to watch the game. It turned out to be a really good game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he said, Marquette fans, they're not very friendly to Wisconsin people. No. Uh, we had a texter uh, uh, text in. Uh, someone told me once they didn't watch basketball uh, due to the constant squeaking of shoes on the court. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Turn it down then. <laughs> to each, to yeah. each their own. To each their own. You know, speaking of Jordan, I had forgot. So Lance Allen, uh, who TMJ yeah, uh, Milwaukee, yeah, yeah. actually a Rice Lake native, yeah. uh, he caught up with TJ Ford, remember for a long time, yeah. or former Milwaukee Buck, and he mentioned this. And I had forgot about this. The 2003 draft, those rumors leading up to it that Jordan almost bought the Bucks. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, it was. So it was like when Jordan got done playing with the wizards yeah and i was reading a little bit more because i had forgot about this so i started reading a little bit more about it yesterday and or last night and googling it and there was a uh, david stern 
the the former commissioner got like five representatives of teams together because he was helping Jordan because Jordan wanted to buy a team. So he was trying to help Jordan, I mean, because it's good business to keep Jordan in the NBA, right? No, you bet. And the five teams that were potentially going to be selling at that point were Atlanta, the Spurs, the Bucks, uh Obviously Charlotte. Charlotte, I think, and there was another one, and I'm going to have to double-check what it was, but I'm blanking off the top of my head. But it sounded like, reading it, that Herb, there was rumors that Herb Cole and Jordan actually did come to an agreement like on the parameters of the deal, but then there was some people that were really concerned about Jordan not keeping the Bucks in Milwaukee, moving the Bucks, and, and all that sort of And then it ended up like Herb Cole released a statement saying he wasn't going to sell the Bucks at that time, and this, that, and, well, we know what happened a few years later. You but. know, and Herb Cole's got all the money he'll ever need. He gives it a lot to a lot of people. But when I, I talked to him, he was, you know, our U.S. senator, and so I'd get a chance to talk to him different times in different places. And and he knew that I like to talk basketball more than I like to talk <laughs> policy. And I we talked about that. He said, I will tell you one thing, Bob. I will never sell the bucks to anybody that indicates they're going to move them. Mm-hmm. And that's why these guys that bought them, these New York financiers, Lazary and the other ones, they're obligated to keep that team in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, and so if Jordan wanted to move them, you know, he didn't care about having his picture taken with Michael Jordan or anything like that. He mm-hmm. was more because he, he's talk about a Wisconsin guy, Herb Cole. Yeah. He kept he was his demand. He was more set on that than he was a price tag. Yeah. So this was from uh, Sam Smith, who longtime Bucks reporter yep. or uh, Bulls reporter for the Chicago Tribune. League sources said Stern invited Jordan to New York uh, to meet with representatives of five teams about full or partial ownership. The other one was Miami, so it was Charlotte, Atlanta, Miami, San Antonio, Milwaukee. Because the Bucks had been for sale for a year, Stern and Jordan pursued that deal. Um, Cole, then the owner of the Bucks, was apprehensive because uh, the narrative suggested that Jordan would likely move the team elsewhere. Cole was committed to keeping the Bucks in Milwaukee and indicated that with the eventual sale of the franchise in 2014, uh, quote, I have decided not to sell the Milwaukee Bucks at this time and will continue to own them, improve them, and commit them to remaining in Wisconsin. But there was that the reason I bring up TJ Ford because there was that rumors like, well, who made the TJ Ford pick? Was it Michael Jordan? Or was it, you know, the Bucks, and that was kind of the whole thing. And I had forgotten about that until I read that uh, from from Lance Allen last night when he caught up with T.J. Ford. But Michael Jordan, as great as a player as he was, his talent evaluation going forward hasn't been all that good. I mean, he's drafted some guys that mm-hmm. number one that aren't very good and weren't very good and are no longer in the league. At that, let if we rewind it to when let's say 2003, and it came down. That Jordan was buying the Bucks. So, kind of going back to our initial question, I feel like initially there would have been a lot of excitement from Bucks fans. Like, oh my God, Michael Jordan's the mm, owner? No question. So, initially, I think there would have been excitement. Would it have worked out? No, I think we've got to see some of it right now with with the, the Hornets and such. And he probably maybe would have moved him out of Milwaukee. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. He, I don't know what his intentions were, but uh, Herb Cole wouldn't, he wouldn't sell that team to anybody mm-hmm. if yeah. they ever if they even mentioned about well I'm thinking about moving them that's that I'm sure that played into his part to say I'm not selling them right now yeah yep because exactly. he was determined and under contract and in legal papers to keep the team in Milwaukee mm-hmm 
uh that's why when i you know when you think about some of the instrumental figures and and like buck's history and that you know it you can say what you want about like uh towards the end of his tenure as owner and the competitiveness but he kept that like you said it, bucks probably wouldn't still be in milwaukee if it wasn't for him oh absolutely no. you know and he you know did what he could with uh, the finances he had uh the one kid from Ohio State that was a left-handed shooter, and I'm trying to think of Michael. I can't think of his full name right now. But I remember one time he said, "Yeah, got a lot of money tied up in that guy. I hope he gets." And he was injured all the time. Mm-hmm. He said, "I hope he gets well soon, so I get some of my money back." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what are your thoughts? If you're not a maybe a uh, you know, if you are a Wisconsin sports fan to the bone, but maybe you're not a Bucks fan, what what are the reasons for it? It could just be simple as you're just not a basketball fan, or maybe you're not an NBA fan. I think everybody's probably got different reasons and I think, uh, throughout this whole thing. But I think that's a bigger part of it than you think. That they're basketball fans, but not NBA fans. They'll go mm-hmm. to high school games, they'll go to college games, but the end. Let's face it, the NBA is a different world of basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred. Like I was kind of the opposite as a kid when I was a huge NBA fan. I was not a college basketball. I was the weird one, you mm-hmm. know. But then I switched for the longest time to where I'm like, no, I actually like the college game better than the NBA. And it was kind of when Jordan first left, and I was not a Jordan fan as a kid because he beat the crap out of my no. teams. And one of know? the things that I don't like about the NBA, and and, it, and again, I, I don't want to get into an issue about you know allowing people to go out and make as much money as they can. I'm all for that. But the college game moving into the program, I think, was a whole lot better before these guys were one and done. Mm-hmm. You know, for the game itself, and again, I'm not against these guys have being able to earn millions of dollars when they're 19, 20 years old. That's fine. I'm just saying that the game, the college game, and I think the pro game was a lot better because these guys coming out after they had played three or four years in college were a whole lot better able to handle 82 games on the road. You know, it, it's a physical game, much more physical than the college game. I just think these young guys now, very few of them are able to come out right away and adapt to the pros and be the star that uh, they all think they are. I just think the game was better when, when they played multiple years in college. Well, look at Mr. Davis right now. Yeah, Johnny Davis is a good example. And he did play. What, he played two? Mm-hmm. Did he play two or three years in Madison? I don't know. But uh, he's a good two, example. Yeah. And I, I think of uh, so many other ones that, uh, that came out that just... Uh, fizzled out or had mediocre careers that I think could have been a whole lot better if they'd uh, if they'd have hung into college another year or two or three. Is that another maybe reason for people kind of lose interest too with, with because you know you have all these draft picks, these high profile college kids, but can you name who the first overall pick was in the NBA draft this past year? No. <laughs> right, you know, and, I can't. you know, and you know, the NFL I, I you can't really compare anything to no, the NFL no, no. because you know what they what they do and and how and they and they do and these it well, guys in the know? NFL don't come out after one year, right? Right. Yeah. So, but you know, can in these top picks in the NBA draft, like you were saying, a lot of them maybe don't even work out or they don't stay with their teams. I, I feel like back in at least when I grew up watching the NBA, your guys most part were staying with your teams, but then you know Shaq moving to the Lakers kind of. You know, no. changed that a little bit. But Jordan was with the Bulls. Patrick Ewing was with the Knicks. Malone and Stockton was with the, with the Jazz. You know, Reggie Miller was with the Pacers. 
you know, but now you have so much movement with these different with players going to different teams yeah, all the time. And you mentioned Johnny Davis. We've talked before about Henry Ellenson. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Henry Ellenson would have been a great pro, but not after not after only playing one year at Marquette. He mm-hmm. wasn't ready, and everybody saw that he wasn't ready. But again, parents are sometimes the, the worst enemy of their kids. Yeah, he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the dollar signs, and, and I think Henry Ellenson probably has plenty of money from the bonus he probably signed with Detroit when they drafted him, but he's not playing in front of us. You don't know where he's playing. Mm-hmm. You might as well be on the live golf tour because you're not going to be in front of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if he's playing in Europe or China. I don't know where he's at. Yeah. Uh, by the and way, that's not where he wanted to be. You can no. believe that. No. Uh, ben Chero from Duke was the number one pick, but remember that was the Chet Holmgren. Chad Holmgren oh, yes, hasn't even yeah. played yet. And he was no, the second overall pick. He got hurt in all that summer league mm-hmm. basketball stuff. Yeah, but yep. that's the second overall pick, not yep. even playing. Remember that now, yep. So, I don't know. What, uh, what are your thoughts? What are your theories? We went through a few of them. You can you can chime in. And, and I'm guilty of this, too, where I did lose a little bit of interest in the Bucks. I'll be honest with you. Oh, so I, did I. You know, I lost before Giannis. I was the same way with the Brewers, though, too. You know, as, as a kid, it's like, yeah, Brewers are on. But honestly... Going back to the accessibility part, Cubs and Braves were on TV more for me when I was a kid. You know, Braves were on TNT, TBS. I could still picture the promos in my head. And then Harry Carey and WGN with with the Cubbies. Those were the two teams I saw most as a kid on TV. Yep. You know, and... And Harry Carey's kid did did the Braves. Mm Mm-hmm, Yeah. And and I think was it what Don Sutter was with them too a little Don bit Sutton, or, or yeah. Sutton yep yeah. was on there too but that's, and the I, Brewers better be careful right now because they're in a situation where could people lose interest uh-huh. with some of the things that uh, they've done hopefully with this catcher they got they're turning that around but uh, you know you got to be viable for the fans to be part of your support group yeah. more than just casually seeing how they did last night. I mean, going to the game, spending money, buying jerseys, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden the Brewers start uh, wrestling with Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. They're not wrestling with the top of the division, mm-hmm. and so you better be careful. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, always, I mean, I had Brewers hats as a kid. I can still picture the white one with the crappy logo, and I had the shirts and all that. But it really wasn't until. You know, the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, where I started to get, you know, you had like Jeremy Burnett's for the one couple good years there. But then it was like, okay, finally they had J.J. Hardy, Ricky Weeks, Prince Fielder, you know, Braun, that group coming, and Corey Hart, and yeah, started and that, to get a little bit more yeah, competitive on a consistent basis. Yeah, that was your age. And then earlier, of course, we had uh, in the 80s, we had Yount and Molitor and, and mm-hmm. really, really good baseball. And, you know, and, it, and I. It cycles for a team, and that's kind of a market this size market. It's going to cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Robin Yount, uh, the kid comes in. Paul Molitor gets drafted. I mean, boy, oh boy, that was that was awful good baseball. Gorman Thomas, Cecil Cooper. Uh, they had. I mean, you go around and, and look at the outfield. I'm trying to think who the center fielder was, uh, but uh, Jeepers, they had uh, they had nice teams. Mm-hmm. Fun to follow. I mean, Harvey's Wallbangers. I wasn't yeah. even around, but again, it goes back to the marketing thing. Yep. You know about them. Oh, yeah, you, absolutely. You know, and you're talking about a Bucks team that had a couple Hall of Famers and won a championship. Brewers have it, yet they still but, market that 82 World Series. But part of that is exposure nationally. Mm-hmm. 
you know, right now. And the Bucks still, I mean, I, I watched sports on the other night, and the Lakers were playing Atlanta. I'll yeah. bet they spent three minutes on highlights of that, and the Bucks had beaten the somebody. The Warriors the other night, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and just a passing glance. Mm-hmm. Maybe that game, because it was the Warriors, they got a little bit more exposure with the highlights. But as a regular course of, of action, doesn't happen. Right. Yep. Milwaukee's not on the national national spotlight, which is and still I mean it's like because and they got Giannis on there and yeah. I know Chuck said the other night Charles Barkley I don't know if you heard it we played the the clip a couple times yesterday but uh, he said that you know we still don't give Giannis enough credit we take him for granted and he talked about he he actually said that him and Russell Russ, Russell Westbrook are the two hardest players he's ever seen play like from start to end. And Kenny Smith threw out, what about Jordan? He's like, Jordan didn't even play as hard as, as what Giannis does. you know. From And I think, honestly, that's like the perfect compliment you can give any athlete is you know you, you go full on 100% from start to finish. You're earning your salary. Mm-hmm. I don't care how big it is. Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking? Those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire, located at 2424 East Claremont Avenue. Family-owned and operated, Toys and Ford is proud to serve the drivers of the Chippewa Valley with some of the most popular vehicles around Wisconsin and the country. They're committed to giving drivers from across the area the best in customer service with a top-notch selection of brand-new vehicles to choose from, as well as an extensive inventory of pre-owned crossover SUV and trucks. Plus, with their expert finance, service, and parts centers in-house, they strive to be your one-stop dealership for all of your automotive needs. Visit them today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa falls all right so let's uh let's have, should we start with football let's start with football sure, name it some sure, awards sure. so who would you name the nfl mvp after well i think i've got my pick i think you've almost got to name it after tom brady okay even though he's still an active player but uh let's face it what he's done he's been the most valuable player in that league for 20 some years I went with Peyton Manning for the reasons of, like, Kareem. He's got the most MVP awards. Yeah, he does. Uh, so I went with Peyton. But I do have for the but next But again, one. but Brady's got so many more Super Bowl rings. Like, Kareem had more titles than Jordan in this. But uh, but Peyton Manning wouldn't be a bad one. And that's kind of where I went with Tom Brady. Tom Brady has the most Super Bowl MVPs. So Tom Brady, I would give the Super Bowl MVP award. Name that after Tom Brady. That's... That wouldn't be a bad deal. He's got five of yep. those big. He's got yep. more Super Bowl MVPs than actual MVPs yep. right now, which is always, you know. Can you imagine how those handful, what's he got, six rings? Seven. Seven rings. I mean, yep. I just can't imagine wearing all seven of those rings at right? one time. Man, oh, man. NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I would, I'd go with the Minister of Defense on that. Reggie, Reggie White. White. Not just because he was a Packer, but uh, he was a. He was unbelievable. I would go between two. One of them is Reggie White. The other one would be LT, Lawrence Taylor. Um, Appropriate as well. You know, those would be the top two for me, and I think you can make the case for either one. How much do you factor in off-the-field stuff with LT 
yep. you know, do you factor that in a little bit there? Yeah, he had uh, some troubled times. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were my top two. Reggie's not a bad thing to name something no, after. No, you know, trying, I'm just trying to run through my mind over the scope of the years that I followed the NFL about guys. You know, some people would say Butkus, but uh, no. No, Ronnie Lott, I was thinking, you know, you can almost make him the tough guy award or something like yeah, that, you yeah. know, clipping off a finger and, <laughs> and playing out there. So, uh, so offensive player of the year, because that is a separate award, too, from the MVP, but the offensive player, I mean, you can almost put Tom Bray on that one because he's got, like, every passing yeah. statistic, for crying out loud. I got my name, though. It's not Tom. And I'm thinking maybe it's not even a quarterback Mm -hmm. i'm thinking somebody like uh you know jerry rice that was my pick jerry rice yep Uh, i was trying to think of like a wide receiver running back you got emmett smith who's got the most rushing yards uh but i mean jerry rice you know did it that such i mean i don't think some of his records will be touched no even with the passing league right now exactly so that's who i picked for my offensive uh player of the year was jerry rice just because of the statistics he has his this is scary, it's, you and I are thinking alike. I don't know. I kind of want to put Barry Sanders on a ward here just because he was so electric. And, if he had and played that, a little yeah. longer with a different team, Lord mm-hmm. knows the numbers he would have put up. Yep. Uh, NFL Coach of the Year. Oh, boy. Let's see. A lot of them are running through my mind. You know, Belichick is still coaching. Mm-hmm. Don Shula. Okay, be, most wins. Most wins. Yep. I mean, you know, Lombardi, and you've got, uh, um, what's his name from the Bears? Uh, Hall- George Hallis. Yep. Uh, you know, there have been a Chuck lot, Noll. Of, lot of great ones. Chuck yep. Noll would be very deserving as well. I did think of Belichick. I mean, you got, because there's people talking about, well, rename the Super Bowl trophy or put his name next to Lombardi's on there. I don't think that'll happen. No, I don't think so. So Lombardi's got Super Bowl one. I'd probably go Belichick if it can't be somebody who's still coaching. Shula makes the sense because of the most wins. Yep. You know, but Shula. I think. Uh, but I think. I guess there's no reason you can't name it after somebody that's still active. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, who knows? He might he might win another one. You never know. Knowing mm-hmm. Belichick, never know. But it would be a deserving a deserving honor for Belichick yeah. to get that award named after him. Give, give him that one. Keep Lombardi by himself on the oh, Lombardi yeah, trophy. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this one might be a little bit more difficult. The NFL comeback, or most, we can say comeback or most improved player, whatever one you want to go about. So think about maybe somebody who's maybe overcame a big injury in history or... That's what I'm trying to uh, run through my mind, who some of those players might be. Oh, boy, and a lot of them are escaping me right now. I'm trying to run through all the teams in my mind quickly, and uh, I'm not sure who I am not sure who I would put in for that. I'll have to do a little more thinking on that one. Who have you got? Uh, well, it, it's interesting, too, because when I was researching this, um, they didn't give the award between 1967 and 97. So oh, for 30 didn't. years, they didn't do it. Um, so 63 was Jim Martin, Lenny Moore in 64, John Brody in 65, Dick uh, Dick Bass in 66. Then in 98, when they brought it back, was Doug Flutie. But Doug I'll t- Flutie? Doug Flutie, yeah, comeback player. I'm assuming it's because, you know, he was out of the league and then came back and, you know, that sort of thing. But um, there was two names that popped in my mind. 
One was Alex Smith because of that leg injury. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And I don't know if you've seen it recently. I saw, I think, a commercial with him. That leg still looks gnarly. Oh, that's nasty looking. I think I saw the same commercial. He's that doing is, something with shoes or something like yeah, that. I mean, all I could think about was, you better enjoy that leg because by the time you get to be about 55 or 60, they might have to take that leg. It, was, it looks like the circulation is really struggling in that leg. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, it did not look good. So I thought of him, just the fact that he even played a little bit after coming back from that. He'll be a good one. Um, the only other one I thought of was maybe Drew Brees. You know, when he had that shoulder injury and, yeah. you know, he ended up becoming one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But Alex there, but Smith is, for a true comeback, Yeah, Alex Smith is, wow, that would be a good one. I think I, I was, I'm leaning more towards Alex Smith yeah, on that one. Just, that would be a good one because he, uh, yeah, that commercial where he shows that leg, it's just, boy, oh boy. Yeah. I, you it, put your chips and beer down because, oh, jeepers, that's an ugly looking thing. It is. Like, I, did, I wasn't expecting it. I'm like, oh, it's Alex Smith doing a commercial. And I think it was shoes, so he was wearing shorts. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they, like, panned out. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's that's gnarly, as yeah. you said. Oh. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, I don't really want to do, like, offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the no. year. That's so hard to pick. Yeah, it is. Somebody on there. Um, the other one I thought of, too, that I have on my list is maybe, like, a Kurt Warner award for a come Like, that's where you go, like, do you do comeback or most improved? You can have different definitions of that. Yeah. The I, grit I award for a yeah, Kurt Warner Yeah, well, that would be a good one because he was a Green Bay Packer, mm-hmm. and they let him go, and he floundered around bag groceries at a grocery store finally got his chance and mm-hmm. the rest is history obviously yeah i think i do come back alex smith and then you come up with an award like the never award give up or, or, never yeah. give up award or yeah. something like that yeah something like that for kurt warner yeah yeah, yeah. he deserves it because yep. he did come back from nowhere yep yep so but that ooh, yeah all right uh let's move to unless you had another that was pretty much what i had the categories for no football. those are good ones uh, you ready for baseball now? Sure. Who would you do for Major League MVP? I think you got to go Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yep. I mean, you talk baseball, and Babe Ruth is synonymous with greatness and recognition and just baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they ain't going to give it to Barry Bonds. <laughs> Even though he's got seven of those, it's uh, it's not going to be Barry Bonds nope, nope. at that point. So, yeah, I think because did they have when when Babe Ruth played, they had to have. You don't hear him his name. How many times did he win MVP? I guess is what I'm getting at. I have no idea. Um, Babe Ruth winning only a single MVP before the award it was dropped after 1920. Okay, so yeah, it was one of those things mm-hmm. there too. So, but yeah, I'd go Babe Ruth. On there, it just makes makes sense. Um, so we're keeping Cy Young, Cy Young. We don't need to change that. No, I don't we, think we, we don't need change to change that. that one. So let's go with. Uh, you want to do the uh, Gold Glove Award? Sure, in each league. Yep. Or yeah, yeah. We could let's do that. I like that. Each league. So in the National League, I've got two. Okay. Willie Mays and Ozzie Smith. Good ones. Yep. You know, I keep thinking of Willie Mays at catching the World Series mm-hmm. and Ozzie Smith, some of the magic he did at shortstop. And, you know, Willie Mays made a lot of other great catches as well. And, uh, you know. Would you, one name I kind of thought of, like Johnny Bench catching, could you put him on there? Or how well, much do you put a catcher on that? You could. There's no question about it. 
but because I'm sure he, I don't know how many gold gloves he won or whatever, but uh, he probably won a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, that position is not as flashy right. as shortstop or center field. Mm-hmm. You know what they do behind the behind the plate saves an awful lot. It probably, probably, actually, a catcher saves more. A great catcher with a great glove probably saves more more games than a center fielder or a shortstop because you know they have potential to handle just about every ball, mm-hmm. every pitch, and so you know in the dirt and Lord knows over the top and how much jumping around a catcher has to do. So justifiably, I think Johnny Bench would be a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of the fan appeal yep. of Ozzie Smith and Willie Mays, and we've you know it's it's not as glamorous to watch to watch a catcher get down and smother a ball and save who knows what a wild pitch and a winning run scoring as it is a shortstop going into the hole or Willie Mays turning his back to home plate. Mm-hmm. That's I'm thinking that's a, the sizzle is more in the field positions than the catcher. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. My pick was Willie Mays for National League yeah. over there. So you got American League then too. You know, the American League I'm not as familiar with as far as uh, gold gloves in the American League. And I really don't have one on the tip of my tongue. Do you? Um. Well, maybe this will help you. So you want to know who's got uh, the most gold? I'll kind of run through a list of right. you know, gold gloves. I mean, Greg Max has a like five shelves full of gold clubs, yeah, but he was mostly yeah. National League. There, well, he's got, he, yeah, but he was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what like how much do you put? A, I don't really, and no offense to him, but I don't really put a pitcher. No, I don't uh, consider a right pitcher there, there a gold too. glove winner. Um, you know, Brooks Robinson has sixteen well, gold right. gloves. Yep, Brooks Robinson. Yep, that mine that escaped me, but uh, be hard to hard to put somebody else in there above Brooks Robinson. I, you know, I'm thinking of guys in the outfield and. And other positions in the infield. I know uh, Will Clark at first base. Mm-hmm. He was he had a great glove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think Mattingly and Keith Hernandez, you know, was for the Cardinals. And then he went to the Yankees. So, but I think Brooks Robinson would be the uh, American League American League name one. on the for me mm-hmm. on the Gold Glove Award. That's who I had written down on mine yeah, because that's I a had good to one. search it up there too. Uh, you know, another one I kind of thought of, it would be for the National League, though, Roberto Clemente. You know, I, Roberto Clemente crossed my mind, too. And I'm thinking, great outfield, but he had an arm that was unbelievable. I mean, he mm-hmm. could throw a ball through a brick wall at 300 feet. You know, he had just had a rocket for an arm. But as far as his, you know, the glove part of it, and I know he's a great outfielder, but I I think I'd still take Willie Mays over him in mm-hmm. the outfield. Yeah, but I mean he, the icon. You can make the trophy of the over, yeah, you know, over, over the, the shoulder, shoulder catch. catch. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So silver slugger. Let's just kind of make it easy. Best offensive player. I know it's based off position and that, but we'll just call it what it is. Best offensive player. Silver slugger. We'll do both leagues again. All right. Silver slugger in the uh, in the American League for me. Over time, it's Mickey Mantle. Mm, okay, and uh, just because he could do so much, I mean, he fastest guy ever to first base, you know, at that time mm-hmm. from the left-handed batter's box and home runs and doubles and everything he did. He he would be my guy in the American League. In the National League, 
this is a, a little tougher for me because uh, people won't agree with this, but, you know, it's hard to say that. And it wasn't like he, because he had a lot of Pete Rose. Mm, yeah. You know, Pete Rose, most hits of all time. I mean, the guy was an offensive machine, but I know that'll never get any traction because of Pete Rose's Pete Rose. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of other choices in there that, you know, you're going to have Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Stan Musial. I mean, there are just an awful lot of guys that would qualify for that. It uh, would. Yeah. Uh, so this one was tough for me. Um, and I originally did it just for one, but I like the fact that we're doing it for for other leagues here too. Um, Ty Cobb, if you want to go way back in the day. Yeah. And he'd get the same reaction as Pete Rose. Ty yep. Cobb was not a, not a very nice man, to right. put it lightly, from, from the – you know, I never saw him, obviously, but from the accounts of people that wrote about him and played against him, Ty mm-hmm. Cobb was not a nice man, and I don't think many people would exactly. vote for a Ty Cobb award. Yep. <laughs> uh, two guys that stood out to me, they'd both be AL, though. Um, Ted Williams. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Lou Gehrig were, were two names that kind of popped up. But Ted Williams with, with the hitting, I mean, that was that, that, that's, that's who I had. So I probably that would be my AL no, pick. Last guy to hit four hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, you can know, we go National League? Tony Gwynn then? Yeah. Well, Tony Gwynn would be. You know, that's uh, I've got him written down as a matter of fact. Tony Gwynn here, and in the American League too. Over time, you know, you, you get people that had more, I guess, visibility. But uh, you know, Rod Carew mm-hmm. for when he played with the Twins. But again, you're playing in Minneapolis. You're not playing in a big market. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know there there are a lot uh, a lot of good ones to choose from. Yeah, I was just so like on Baseball Reference, they've got a list uh, of the the rankings of um, you know the offensive WAR wins above replacement. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth is number one, Ty Cobb is two, Barry Bonds is three, Willie Mays is four, Hank Aaron is five. That'd probably be maybe my National League pick if yeah. I'd, I'd probably yeah. go Hank Aaron. I would too. Uh, Stan Musial was six, Ted Williams seven, Tris Speaker. Yep. Is that eight? Yep. Onus Wagner ten. Roger Ornsby or Onus Wagner nine. Rogers Orns, Rogers Ornsby is at ten. So uh, Mickey Mantle is at twelve. Lou Gehrig was at fourteen. Just kind of going through some of these other names that might have we might have said here too. So one nice thing about it, you got a lot of choices because mm-hmm. there are some you know just historic figures that uh, we're talking about here this morning that you know were just priceless to watch. Mm-hmm. This one is interesting for me now because there's a couple of names, and they're a little bit more recent here. Rookie of the Year. Hmm. The Rookie of the Year Award. And see, when I thought of this, I'm like, okay, so I would have to give it to somebody who obviously had a pretty darn good rookie year, right? You a know, good some, rookie year and, and a, good, a career. good career. Yep, yep. And that's why I'm trying to spin the, spin the file in my head to come up with some of these names. And uh, who have you got? So two names popped up, and now I, I got to double check. Okay, so, okay. Uh, Griffey. Yep. Mike Trout. Those yep. were the two names that were popped up. Were they both up. rookies of the year? Uh, Mike Trout was rookie of the year, and actually Griffey finished third in rookie of the year voting in 1989. Let me see who got first that year. Uh, Greg Olson, Baltimore. Then Tom Gordon, then Griffey. Jim yep. Abbott finished fifth that year. So. Yep. 
But yes, Mike Trout was well in the American League. You got to give I, I'd make it a Mike Trout award in the mm-hmm. National League. I let's see. I'm trying to think of who some of the rookies of the year were back then. Let me see if I can do or, it over time. Who the National League rookies were that uh, went on to have stellar careers because you know there are some guys that uh, have a good rookie year and then they kind of uh, fall off the face of the earth as far as mm-hmm. stats or helping a team win. Um, oh, this might not be a bat. We got a couple. Uh, Jackie Robinson won it in forty-seven. Oh, he did. Um, Willie Mays. We already gave him award. Frank Robinson. Willie McCovey. Uh, Willie McCovey. When I was a kid, I just I loved watching <laughs> Willie McCovey. He Pete, swung a bat that was as big as a boat oar and about ten <laughs> times as heavy. Pete Rose won it in '63. Yeah. I'm um, just kind of going through some of the recognizable, mm-hmm. you know, names out here. I don't think Daryl Strawberry will get an award named after him I or don't Dwight Gooden. So, I don't so. Think so. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bagwell, you got Mike Piazza, uh, Scott Rowland, Albert Pujols might be a good one for the National League. He came out on fire. Yes, he did, and boy, he that would be a good one. That would yeah. be mine. Albert Pujols Rookie of the Year because he went on from there to put up numbers that were just incomprehensible and i i just again I'm 37 talk, dingers in his yeah, rookie first year yeah, <laughs> and i uh and i we brought this up before i've mentioned it before what numbers he might have put up if he just stayed in st louis mm-hmm. for whatever reason he went out to los angeles and just he was good but he was kind of lost compared to what he did in st louis then he comes back to st louis for the last year and here he's a viable player again by anybody's standards yeah so i was just glad he got to uh you know got to 700 home runs because uh you know he did it right too he mm-hmm. was you know never you never questioned albert pujols's character uh his desire to win his you know he was just a top-notch guy and that's that's the kind of guy you would name an award for. I think Albert Pujols' award for the National League Rookie of the Year would be very appropriate. Yep, I think that's who I'm going with, too. Yep. Yep. Mike Trout for the AL and, uh, and Albert Pujols yep. for the National League. So this one's a little difficult uh, because they just started doing this one. This will be the last one here uh, back in 05. But, again, it's the, the comeback uh, award here. So your first-time winner, so just kind of back in 05, was Ken Griffey Jr. and Jason Giambi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Griffey in 05 with uh, Cincinnati and then Giambi with the Yankees in uh, in 05 there. Um, I'm just I'm kind of looking at, you know, some of these other – I know, uh, like, Pools won it this year and Verlander won it this year in their respective leagues. But, I uh, think uh, for the National League, I'd name it the Tommy John Comeback Award winner. I like because that. Because that was – I mean, let's yeah. face it, what he did was like a mystery to most people. Mm-hmm. How are you going to take a and, – and, you know, Dr. Crow can explain it better than <laughs> I, but how you take a, I don't know, a different piece from your body and tie it into your elbow and that mm-hmm. Tommy John surgery, when you have a, a you know, a practice like that named after you, yep. but, uh, and then he came back and pitched very, very well. So I'd name, uh, you know, I know he pitched for the Yankees, I know he pitched for the Dodgers, so I don't know which league you'd put him in. Maybe that's just one we just name at the comeback yeah, for it, because I mean, but I think Tommy the legacy. John, yeah, yeah. Tommy, your legacy is a good word, because he, mm-hmm. he created a, a legacy of Tommy John people that took that surgery and, and came back. Yep. Yeah, so I I agree with you. That's a good. I didn't have one on there because I was still struggling, but I'm glad you brought that one up. So I agree with you on that one. I'm gonna go kind of hard not to come up with a, def- a better yeah. definition than a comeback than 
when you have a surgery named and after you, that extends. And that's what I think, the comeback. I think when I think of a comeback, I think of a guy that's coming through an injury, like a, a mm-hmm. running back with a bad knee and came back and, and played well. But Tommy John will always, to me, be a be a comeback wonder. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's a perfect one, so... That's what I got. Did you have any other nope, ones that you could think of off the top of your head? I so, I mean, we can really go down if and you they, want. You they know. don't have, uh, you know, awards for, you know, the best base runner in like uh, steals of the year. You just win it. If you the most steals, you mm-hmm. you get the you're the major league winner leader in stolen bases, or national league winner yeah. in stolen bases. But, uh, but uh, that's just call Ricky Henderson for both things. Yeah, that, really, that I know it. Uh, <laughs> but. You know, I wonder too. Like, at what point could we see the NBA? You know, because they've been kind of pioneering this a little bit. I don't think it'll be in the near future, but at some point, will they create an award for like, hey, best center, best best forward, best guard? I know it's a little positionless now, but yeah. you know, at one point, will they go, hey, this was the best center in the league, or this was the best guard in the league, and and all that? Yeah, the thing I, is, they don't value the center anymore. Right? Anybody that can't play outside the three point line. You know, you're 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 an afterthought. I mean, even Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. those guys are shooting threes. Yep. You know, Giannis is. What does he work on in the off season? His three point shot. Yeah, that so and that, free throws. Know, yep, that and free throws. You're right, but uh, again, they don't value the big man. Mm-hmm. You know, this kid from. Uh, it's all about stretch fours. You know, this kid from Purdue, the the league right now, from six six to six eleven, that's what they want. That can handle the ball. Play defense, run up and down the floor, shoot the three. That's what the league is all about right now. Mm-hmm. Seven footers like this Edie kid from Purdue. Very good player. He's probably the leading candidate for player of the year right now. But what kind of value will he have in the NBA? I don't think he's going to have much. The kid, this Kofi Coburn, played at Illinois last year. I saw an Illinois game the other day, and he's sitting on the bench behind the team. Because he left early and didn't come back to play, and he can't make it right now in the NBA. And I, you know, a big, strong kid, but uh, not making it in the NBA. I hope he does, mm-hmm. but they don't value the center anymore. The seven footer isn't valued like they used to be. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, another one is um, uh, remember Diamond Stone. Oh yeah, you know, a while back, but I don't know where he is now. I don't even know where he's at either. To yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I just looked up uh, Kofi Cobra. He's with he's playing in uh, Japanese B League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's not in the NBA, and that's where a lot of these guys are the the big guys. If you're a big guy and you can't dribble and run and shoot and play defense, the NBA doesn't have any place yep. for you. The, I mean, look at Chet Holmgren. He's yeah. seven foot and a buck sixty, but he can shoot. <laughs> yeah, he can shoot. He can rebound. He can handle the ball, and when he gets healthy. He's going to make a difference on that team. Uh, what is it? Sacramento, I believe, is where uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yep. wherever he is, he's going to he's going to make a difference when he comes back. I hope he comes back soon. It would have been interesting, like you know, like uh, for for Kofi here, if he'd have been drafted in the nineties, but oh. been a first round, early oh. first round pick. Absolutely, you know, going with the big big guys down low. Well, you look at what happened in the Jordan era. Mm-hmm. He was picked third. Yep. Two centers picked ahead of him. Sam Bowie and Akeem Olajuwon. Yep, yep. yep. One of them was actually decent. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. And a reminder, never miss an episode of the Man Cave Podcast by subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast. 
We're already on your favorite podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. And don't forget to give us a solid rating too. That way other people can find the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we'll see you in the Man Cave.